Hi, this is Reverend Tommy, and I'd like to welcome you back to the garden where we explore the big questions about life. I invite you to open your minds and be receptive to seeing things differently. So let's get metaphysical. Welcome everyone who's watching live stream, which we have started to do recently. It's nice. Today we're going to do the last of the Unity Five Basic Principles, uh, Principle Five, which states, knowing and understanding the laws of life, also known as truth, are not enough. A person must also live the truth that he or she knows. Author Reverend, Rep, Reverend Ellen Devonport, in her book about the five principles says, as well as offering tools for daily living, the five principles suggest answers to the great questions of existence that humans have been asking since the beginning of the dawn of consciousness of awareness. So for the sake of review, and you can never get too much review, let me go quickly over the five principles. The first is God is absolute good everywhere present. A quick interpretation, as the chapter summarizes, God is all. No spot where God is not, as we say in unity. But, however, it is important to point out that God is all sounds a little bit like pantheism, which we don't teach. So perhaps, perhaps a better way to say it would be, God is all and then some. So it's not just the parts or the sum of the parts, but on top of that, it's more than that. Principle one does bring up some very fundamental questions such as what is God, what is this universe, and what are these bodies that we live in? Charles Fillmore, co-founder of Unity, wrote that we live in a spiritual universe. This is very interesting because in Let's Get Metaphysical class on Tuesday nights, we've been talking about this stuff. However, we've been using a different angle, we've been using a philosophical approach. And philosophically, saying that we live in a spiritual universe is called idealism. This is the definition of idealism. In philosophy, idealism is a group of philosophies which assert that reality, or reality as we know it, is fundamentally mental, mentally constructed or otherwise immaterial. In unity language, what Charles Fillmore just said. It's a spiritual universe. So the summary of that definition of idealism is reality is fundamentally immaterial. Okay? Now, what do you imagine is the opposing view of this? Well, obviously it is that the universe is fundamentally material. That the universe is made up of matter, of things that we are fundamentally made up of matter, that I am a thing, that you are a thing. Philosophically, again, this is called realism. It is the prevalent view of science, or was, for a very, very long time. That is beginning to change because of quantum physics. Realism, that the universe is fundamentally material, is also the prevalent view of most people walking this planet. We identify ourselves primarily as a body. Our entire approach to living has to do with the idea that we are a body. 
and that we need things. We need money, we need cars, we need, 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 because the body needs all these things. That's all realism. And we say it all the time, I'm only human. Well, unity comes along and says, no, that's not true. Principle two says, human beings have a spark of divinity within them, the Christ within. Quick interpretation, all human beings have a spark of divinity within them as the fundamental starting point. Now this is super important because it addresses our starting point. Now I know when you get really into the philosophy thing, there is no such thing as a starting point when you're talking about something internal, but you kind of get the idea. It is referencing who we are in essence. Principle two says that at the most fundamental level, we are not bodies, we are not matter. Now, we certainly appear to be bodies, but then again, the sun appears to go around the earth, and we know very well that it does not. Interesting that John, in John, the scripture, it says, judge not by appearance, but judge by righteous judgment. Now, what does righteous judgment mean? Well, I would say it's that intuitive voice within, that spark of divinity talking to you, saying, no, that's just the way things look. That's not how they are at all. In Hebrews 11.3 it says, By faith we understand that the universe was formed at God's command, so that what is seen was not made out of what was visible. What? What was seen, yeah, was not made out of what was visible. So the seen is not made from that that is seen. That's interesting, because once again, Tuesday night, let's get metaphysical class. The book we had before, from science to God says pretty much the same thing. It said matter is not made of matter. This is exactly what Hebrews just said. It is a formless taking form. Now, thinking of this reasonably and logically and moving a step forward, if we live in a universe that's fundamentally spiritual, mental, then guess what? We too are fundamentally spiritual mental, otherwise or otherwise immaterial in nature as that definition said before. The Genesis writer said, created in the image and likeness of God, that's how that person put it. Now this upside down way of seeing things, that we are bodies, was beautifully expressed by Pierre Teilhard de Chardin, when he said we're not humans seeking a spiritual experience, we are spirits having a human experience. And that's the very statement that I read one day in the paper that brought me to unity. When I read that, I said, that's exactly right. We are upside down in our way of seeing things. And the following day, I came here for the first time. And I've been here since. <laughs> Principle three, human beings create their experience by the activity of their thinking. Unity calls this the power of mind action. Once again, new science is confirming that what is observed is altered by the observer. That this universe we live in is actually interactive. That it responds to our beliefs and our emotions, thus creating the experiences that we have. I ask you, what else would make sense? If we are spirits and we come here into this apparent world, why do we do it? Do we just 
come here to be judged? Do we come here to be condemned? Do we come here to be trapped? Do we come here to suffer? How about we just come here to have a human experience, as Pierre Teilhard said, that we are in control of our lives as sons and daughters of the Most High, because we have creative power and we have free will. From this perspective, we are the masters of our fate. And this flip principle three is saying, we create our own reality. Quantum physics talks about waves, which are non-material things, and particles, which are material things. Now, just to be clear, one of the thing, one is a thing, it's a particle, and the other one's a non-thing. Now, evidently, this subatomic world has no problem jumping from one state to another, from jumping from a thing to a non-thing. It's very strange. And I think it goes theoretically, and maybe Patrick is here today, he can help me out with this, but I think they actually are both a thing and a non-thing at the same time, if I'm, if I'm not <laughs> incorrect about that. Now, the funny thing is what seems to determine whether it becomes a thing or not is the observation, the conscious focus or the focus of consciousness on it. It becomes a thing. It's very strange. Now here's the clincher. We're made up of this stuff. So if we're made up of this stuff, how are we different from that? Well, so maybe we're not. Maybe we're not different from that, fundamentally. My hypothesis, not a theory. I found that out, the difference between a theory and a hypothesis. Because a theory has, I mean, you can like, it's complicated. My hypothesis is just like, my hypothesis is like, well, this is what I think. <laughs> so that's what this is. I think that we are just like those photons. We are both bodies and non-bodies at the same time. You think about that. Or you know what? Listen to the words of Jesus. He said, I am in this world, but not of this world. Well, that's being a thing and a non-thing at the same time, isn't it? Sounds like to me, <laughs> This is a lot of fun. <laughs> it really is. <laughs> okay, principle four. Prayer is the creative thinking that heightens that connection with God-mind and therefore brings forth wisdom, healing, prosperity, and everything good. Once again, quick interpretation. In unity, prayer is not about asking or petitioning for something. It is about coming to the realization that what you want is already yours. It's already there. The old language would say, it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. The new language, from the perspective of new science, would say that there's an infinite field of possibilities all there waiting for you to decide what it is you want to do. It is the father giving you the kingdom. It is exactly the same thing. And the whole idea is to align ourselves with this field and thus bring forth that which we want, that which we choose. So in unity, prayers are not answered, they are realized. And we talked about that when I was at Unity Village a few weeks ago. Prayers are not answered, they are realized. Why? Because if they are answered, then that kind of brings the idea of like, it could go one way or the other, depending on what mood God is in that particular day. 
Did he have a good breakfast or was it a lousy one? I don't know. So it could go one way or the other. And by looking at it from the perspective that it is the realization of it, then what it really turns out is that what is it that you want? Because it's there. So you come in alignment with it. You already have it. It's there for the taking. Principle five. Knowing and understanding that the laws of life, also called truth, are not enough. A person must also live the truth that he or she knows. So that's today's. So in review, the first four principles are about a change in consciousness. And that's what I've been talking a lot about lately, about transforming. See, the first two, about what God is and what we are, is about the God-man relationship. And the second two, about power of mind, action, and prayer, is our role, our power in the scheme of things. The fifth principle is about taking action in this new consciousness. In modern language, it is walking the walk. It is putting the principles into action. Now, if you remember the glory years of the Cowboys about 20 years ago, Jimmy Johnson, what did he say? If you're gonna talk the talk, you gotta walk the walk. That's right. And so today's lesson is about walking the walk or walking the talk, however you want to put it. But when it's all said and done, you see, it's impossible not to walk the talk when you think about it. And what do I mean by that? Well, the second half of the principle says a person must also live the truth that he or she knows. And what I'm saying is that that seems to be self-evident, that we are always living the truth that we happen to know. We are always expressing, expressing the consciousness that we are in. Gibran, Khalil Gibran said, your daily life is your religion. I read that in the 70s. And I said, that's ex expressed extremely well. We are always expressing our consciousness, that which we believe to be the truth. Unity calls itself a positive path for spiritual living. It also calls itself practical Christianity. This fifth principle stresses the pra practical aspect of the unity beliefs. Principle five is the law of mind action. It is the Holy Spirit in traditional word, words coming through you. It is the chi of the universe coming through you. James 2.17 says, faith without action is dead. So it's about action, it's about service, and I think the beginning when I read that meditation, it was talking about how can I serve. So it is about action. So walking the talk is probably why you no longer go to a traditional service. Leaving was probably the result of you seeing a disconnect between the words, the teachings, and the action behind the words. Now, I'm not saying that tradition does not do a lot of good things and actions. They most certainly do. Catholic Charities does a ton of things. And those missionaries who go to poor, impoverished countries and help and stuff, that's wonderful, wonderful stuff. And I think that's done because at the core, we are good people. As we teach in unity, we don't believe in original sin, we believe in original virtue. What I'm talking about is the philosophy, the theology, 
behind the tradition. When I was growing up, I definitely felt a disconnect between Sunday service and my daily life. Sunday service was one thing, and my daily life was a completely other thing. Sunday service had to do with the afterlife. It had nothing to do with the quality, improving the quality of my life. It, is about, it was about getting your ticket to paradise. Maybe we should end that song, but <laughs> Two tickets, well, one ticket to paradise. I guess you and your ego, maybe both of you. I don't know. So principle five is walking the talk. In unity, we're trying to teach a transformative lifestyle change. Sunday service is not or should not be distinct from your daily life, as Ribbon said. I started to put together a Spanish lesson. I finally did the first one. I just got to put it on CD now. And it was an introduction to my perspective of unity and this, that, and the other, what got me here. And part of my disconnect, of, and I mentioned that one of the initial disconnects was the message of a loving God who has the capacity to send somebody to hell for eternity. See, that was a disconnect for me. I could never figure that one out. That one and the other one was about tradition's exclusive nature. And make no mistake about it, it is, that's not pulling punches. It is very exclusive in nature. And that struck me as very strange. Because either you believe it, or you go to hell. I said, what? That, that's a strange idea. Now, just to be clear, I'm not being critical of anyone's beliefs. But I do find it interesting to sometimes go back and revisit that, that mindset that I came from. And so my wife says, why are you watching? I watch the minister, some the preachers on TV sometimes. Like, why are you watching this? Because this is what the majority of people think and believe. And sometimes I get disconnected from that. And it's just a reality check something. I don't know. For example, just this week, I, I was searching for some material for, the, for, this, for this lesson, and, and I found a, ch a church up in Austin, Unity Church, and I started listening to the minister. I actually met the guy once, very nice guy. And, and I scrolled down to the bottom in the comments, and there, and there was somebody had made a comment that Unity is a false religion, da, 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 you know? And it falls into Satan's plan to deceive people, because everybody knows that Satan and God are in a battle for souls see who can win most, I mean, before the end of time. It's a strange thing, but, you know, now that I've studied a lot more about early Christianity, I, I can certainly understand where these beliefs come from. And I can also certainly understand why I don't believe them anymore. Bottom line is the disconnect between the words of, of tradition and the words of the founder, Jesus, sometimes just don't match. You know, Gandhi said, I like your Christ. I do not like your Christians. Your Christians are so unlike your Christ. That's what Gandhi said. <laughs> and I was reminded about that when I saw that comment from whoever wrote that comment. It's like, really? Okay, that's fine. Anyway, we don't concern ourselves with what other people believe in. I think we have enough work to you know, take care of our own stuff. And so that's what we're working on. So Sunday service should be about your daily life. It should be about the quality of your daily experience. It should also be about coming together and having a shared experience. I also came across this by Reverend Paul Smith. I wrote, he's from Kansas City. I didn't get a chance to go to his church. 
She, I, wrote, I read a book about, and I did a lesson once called The Three Phases of God, or Three Faces of God, by this guy. Uh, and he wrote, Christianity began in Palestine as an experience. It moved to Greece and became a philosophy. It moved to Italy and became an institution. It moved to Europe and became a culture. It moved to America and became a business. We left the experience behind a long time ago. We lost the experience because we stopped living it. If I have learned nothing else, nothing else, I know that this life is about the experience. Having the human experience. And it is clearly personal. When unity we say that God is both transcendent principle and personal, imminent. I've said before, nobody can learn to swim for you. That's something you have to do for yourself. Nobody can describe a sunset to you. It just doesn't work. Then how in the world can somebody else show you God? They cannot. It is a personal experience. There is no other. And you know, I made that. I made came full circle. Another of my disconnects was that I said, how can there be only one way? I used to talk to the Jesus freaks in the 70s. And, and I said, there cannot be only one way. And the funniest thing is that I came full circle with that thing. And now you know what? There is only one way. And that is you. Because it is, it is you who must have that experience. There is no other way. So in that sense, yes, there is only one way. But each one of us has our own way. So it's, uh, you know, paradoxes. Paradoxes are wonderful things. <laughs> Jesus was a doer. He was a hands-on person. He was definitely walking the talk. Reverend Devonport in her book once again writes, living the truth is more about being than doing. When we are living the truth, any action we take will be from the consciousness of spirit and oneness with ego in service to soul. That idea of being cannot be overemphasized. The idea of being goes hand in hand with unity. And it goes hand in hand with the mindfulness concept that is really taken off now, which is wonderful. Being is something that is very much part of the Eastern philosophy, always has been. The Zen approach to things, it is about the experience. It is, being is about living in the moment. Being is about not hanging on to old things, to moving on. In fact, that may be one of our major problems in the West. We hang on to things, move on, let it go. Just look at all the stuff that just happened recently in, in, in the South and all that stuff. It's like, why are we still living in that? Why? I'm not, but a lot of people are. And, and hopefully we can move on from that. So, the five principles. Pick up a, a copy of the Keys, Keys of the Kingdom if you like. Uh, there's also a book from Reverend Devonport's book back there if you want to read her book about it. So I'm going to summarize the five principles in a succinct manner. <laughs> they would go like this. God is, I am, I think, create, I pray, connect, I do. Go out and do the work. Amen. <laughs>